Welcome to this special series of the Craft Industry Alliance podcast. I'm Abby Glassenberg, the co-founder of Craft Industry Alliance, an online community for craft business owners. And in this limited series of our podcast called Powering the Creative Economy with Spoonflower, we're focusing on artists and makers who have created innovative businesses using Spoonflower, the world's largest custom fabric, wallpaper, and home decor digital marketplace. In today's conversation, we're taking a deep dive into surface design with our guest, Joe Calute. Joe works, lives, and plays in Clovelly, a small, idyllic coastal suburb of Sydney, Australia. She's a surface pattern designer and illustrator, and her work is inspired by her Kenyan heritage. Spoonflower provides on-demand digital printing using an eco-friendly, sustainable, and scalable manufacturing process. They like to say, if you can dream it, we can print it. And Joe Kalute took them up on that offer. Let's hear how she did it. Joe, if you want to start, can you tell me um, where you grew up? So I grew up in Nairobi, Kenya. I was born and raised there. And um, Kenya is a lovely East African country. Um, it has 42 language groups and they sort of all converge to, into Nairobi. And that's where I was born and raised. So I was, you know, I grew up surrounded by a rich and layered um, cultural heritage that includes um, the Swahili and British influences through migration and colonization. So that was kind of the my yeah my cultural background and yeah so um when you were growing up um what did your parents do for work and um what were you like as a child were you creative yes um i was very creative and my mom was a seamstress um she had her own tailoring business and i remember her making like beautiful bespoke wedding dresses for her customers and growing up she also used to make most of our clothes like our sunday best clothes and i think i just gleamed a lot of that creativity from her and i had from her side of the family i have um a bigger cousin who was really artistic and gifted and i always grew up wanting to be like her and yes so there was a lot of you know creativity around me in that sense and um i remember just making like um painting and drawing birds because i was really into nature and nature books and I used to paint these little beautiful miniature birds on wooden panels and give them to my aunties and my friends. So yeah, those are like some of the memories I have of being growing up creatively. And did you um, want to become an artist? Did you go on to school to study to be an artist? Well, um, I don't think uh, uh, being an artist career was something that I had my sights on because of the nature of the society I lived in. It's being an artist is not like um, a career that you aspire for because you don't really earn a good living out of it. But I think my parents were always, always encouraged me to pursue art for my own, you know, uh, fulfillment. And I just took art class from primary school to high school and I was, 
the top student in most of the um, art classes I took. And I had a really amazing high school teacher who was a mentor. So yeah, art to me was more of like an escape or a way of expressing my self rather than something I thought would be a career when I grew up. So what did you do after high school? What did you go on to study? Well, I applied for architecture at Melbourne Uni. So, um, and I was, you know, successful in my application. So when I moved to Australia, it was a huge, like, culture shock to me. And I think I, like, I connected more with the international students who came from Malaysia and Indonesia and China, because I think just with by virtue of being foreign foreigners in this country, we had something in common. And but with time, I was able to adapt to the Australian, you know, way of living. And yeah, so those are my that. I just came to study. That's why I came to Australia initially to study architecture and hopefully go back home and become an architect. But, you know, everything else, it just turned out quite different to what I initially thought. Right. So it sounds like you went to school to study architecture, but then um, how did your career develop from there after after school, did you end up um, staying in the architecture program and did you get a job in architecture after school? So I graduated from architecture during the GFC, the global financial crisis of 2008, 2009. And it was really hard to get into the architectural industry because at the time, even like experienced architects were losing jobs and I did a bit of an internship for like six months with a project management um, company, but I just felt, I felt like I was being exploited and my creativity wasn't coming to the foreground. I just felt like I was being more of a card monkey doing repetitive technical things that weren't really, I, I don't even think at that time I was sketching or really drawing because of it just felt like all my time was consumed with making uh, little card drawings, cut and paste sort of repetitive stuff. So I felt like at that time, my creativity was being really stifled. So, but at the same time, I was in a new relationship, which progressed into marriage and I was starting a new family. So I think my, my, um, priorities were shifting as well. So I was starting my family and by 2010, I had, I was pregnant with my firstborn child and yeah, so the whole architectural uh, career was put on hold. Now you are a designer of all kinds of beautiful products. And I wondered um, how the first, you know, genesis for that business began for you. Was there a specific thing that you made that everybody liked and you thought, oh, wait a minute, I'm on to something? Or how did that begin? Well, in 2010, I bought my first sewing machine and I had never sewn in my life. Despite my mom being a seamstress, it was just something that I'd never thought I would do for myself, but 2010 came, I was pregnant with my 
child and I think it was a nesting urge to just make a beautiful nursery for her. So the first items I made were like um, a bunting with her name, a baby blanket and um, baby carrier, which I think I only used like three times because it was just it was just not very practical, but it looked good. And and then those were the initial like seeds that were planted to move on to a handmade business. I made a few like um, accessories such as bow ties and headbands that I would I would sell in markets and that sort of thing. And slowly as my skills advanced. I'm all self-taught. So I was watching a lot of YouTube tutorials and getting a lot of commercial patterns, sewing for myself and friends. And I think that is just how my hobby transitioned into a business. And then in 2012, um, I remember discovering Spoonflower through my lovely mom's group. One of the ladies there casually mentioned Spoonflower as a place where you could get your designs uh, custom made. and um, you know, looking at the website, I was so inspired to find like such a creative community there. And initially I was just buying fabrics from other design, other artists and making my little accessories using them. But then as I progressed, you know, I was like, I, I, I was curious to know how patterns are made. And I bought the Spoonflower handbook and read it from cover to cover and also read a lot of their resources on their blog and slowly because I think already with my architectural background it was easy for me to just um, get the technical aspects of how to build quickly how to build patterns quickly and then slowly by slowly I started to build a sort of library on Spoonflower and yeah and put my designs on the Spoonflower marketplace so that's how how um, my surface design journey started. What were some of the first, um, I guess, images that you put onto fabric or uploaded to Spoonflower? Were they birds like you you know, you were drawing as a child or were they something else? Actually, it was quite different. I think with my textile uh, design, I was really um, attracted by my African identity and for some reason that's the only that's how I started I started uh, drawing like combs and I was reading a lot of um, African related blogs and I think it was a way for me to explore my identity because it's something I was away from my home country and in a sense, I needed something that would connect me back to my roots. So a lot of it was trying to just explore that through the designs I was making. And I made a lot of Afrocentric kind of designs. And also, I think it's just from the memory of the textiles that I grew up with, such as the kanga and the African wax cloth. So my experience of textiles is this uh, loud and bright um, uh, textiles that are imbued with me messages and meaning. So I think in a sense, I was trying to recreate that for myself in the patterns that I was making. Were these um, designs that you created, um, were they uploaded to the marketplace where other people could buy them the way that you had been 
buying other people's designs when you first started sewing or did you keep them private? For a long time, I think for almost a year, they were just really private and I was printing them for myself. I was just experimenting and playing because I wasn't really confident with my, you know, color choices at, at the time. So I was just used it as a way to explore and print for myself. And then when I got confident, I was like, I put for a while, I put them out into the marketplace, but I wasn't really getting that traction with it. And in 20, around 2018, I decided to, we moved to Sydney. So I I decided to start a swimwear business and to showcase my patterns and prints, because at that point I was a bit more confident with what I was putting out. And I really needed a visual way of showcasing my patterns and prints that would really stand out from just them being on the Spoonflower marketplace. And I think after I, when I started my swimwear business, that's when I started getting traction on my patterns and designs. And why did you choose a swimwear collection? I mean, I think, you know, there's a lot of ways to showcase prints and patterns and you could do that through home decor. You could do it through, um, you know, just everyday garments or through baby items. I mean, there's lots of ways this could go. Um, so I'm wondering, had you sewn some swimsuits for yourself and loved them? Or was it because of the move to Sydney? Or was there some reason why you felt like, wow, swimwear is the direction I need to go in here? You know, um, moving to Sydney was quite different to Melbourne. Sydney is, um, there's a, quite a big beach and surf culture. And I think just seeing people around me wearing beautiful, like, you know, one pieces and bikinis. And the aspect, when I was thinking about a business, I wanted something that would be like um, sustainable for me in terms of the amount of fabric I was I was uh, using. So initially I thought I'd get into the children's, um, you know, baby wear industry because the, it, do, it doesn't require much fabric in terms of when you're making things. But then I wasn't really keen on that. I, and after making, as, after making a few costumes for myself, I was like, hey, this is something I can actually do. And it costs, it doesn't cost that big output compared to making a dress per se. So I was able to like, I was just thinking about the economies of scale as well at that point. And I guess my surroundings and what would be like the best product to put out in this, um, in the, you know, the beach lifestyle and all that. Um, so I think it, those things really came to play when I decided to go into swimwear. Yeah. What um, Spoonflower fabric substrate are you having the designs printed on in order to make swimwear? So with the, with the, I use the, um, the Spoonflower Spots Lycra. For me, um, after sampling with a few other local like printmakers and comparing it with Spoonflower, I decided that Spoonflower was like the premium, you know, uh, fabric I could get at the time. And it printed beautifully and was really durable. So after, 
I think I sampled it for a while, like for myself, I, I wore it and was happy with the way it was um, wearing and the color, you know, how it was taking on the color and retaining the color of a period of time. So that's one of the reasons I decided to s- stick with Spoonflower Spots like a fabric for my swimwear. And are there aspects of Spoonflower that allowed your business to take off and to grow and be sustainable that maybe you wouldn't have been able to do otherwise? Uh, definitely being um, being a pro member with Spoonflower was, was a thing that quite really... Um, help my business like grow in terms of you know you have a dedicated team and I could print fabrics like um within um what do you call it I could have a fast turnaround when I was printing fabrics with them and also the aspect of being able to the shipping costs were really like halved when you have a pro membership so those aspects were really vital in having like a sustainable business and giving me access to the whole swimwear industry because you know competitively like price-wise I there's no one else who could offer me those those things so yeah so in in that way I was able to um really create a sustainable business. And um, what is your swimwear line called so people can go check it out? At the moment, it's on hiatus because uh, of the whole, I, it ran from 2018 to 2019. At the end of 2019, I was really like burnt out and I decided I was going to go on a hiatus and then 2020 happened. So I decided to pivot into art licensing. So at the moment, I'm really concentrating on the art licensing aspect of my business. But I think with given time and with a little bit more um, research into the swimwear business and maybe creating more of a team, I think I'll get back into it. And it'll probably be under a different brand name because it's the name was Clovelly Cozy. So it was very a local name based on where I live. But I'm even looking to move at the end of the year. So I don't think that will be a really good. Um, I think I'll have to change the brand name possibly. So there are many things that are in play at the moment in terms of the swimwear business. But. At the same time, I'm also like um, branching into art licensing for other brands. So how did you start in art licensing? Because I know that's something that a lot of people would like to get into. So were you approached by a brand and that was kind of your first contract? Or did you reach out to you know brands you wanted to design for and pitch ideas? Or how did you get started? You know, I think the first uh, licensing, my first art licensing was with a local um, company, a sock manufacturing company. And I pitched to them some of my designs that I had on Spoonflower. And 
initially they were like, oh, we're not like we're not really licensing at the moment, but we'll get back to you. So I had from them six months later and they were keen to, you know, um, license some of my designs. And that's how I got started. And then I think my my like my second big licensing um, deal was made through um, a company that is based in Kenya and they chanced upon my designs on Spoonflower and they were like, yeah, we really love your designs. They align with our aesthetic and we'd like to license them. So that that's really how I got into the licensing business. That's great. And so what um, products currently have some of your designs on them? So um, I have uh, designs on socks with a Soxy Beast in Melbourne. And with Zuri, they have a few dresses. They manufacture fem- uh, fashion dresses. And I have my cat's my cat's design with them. And um, I've recently licensed my uh, Monarch butterfly mosaic with them. So it's currently being produced into products. And also for my, one of the designs that they really loved was my broccoli, which they made into aprons and home decor wear. So, yeah. That's cool. I have a Zuri dress. That seems like such a great partnership. Their dresses are amazing. They're so beautiful and so comfortable. So that's like the perfect fit. That's so cool. Yeah, it was really, it just really aligned well. And it was one of the, my dreams come true. You know, when I started, I was like, oh, I just love to see my dresses on, uh, not my prints on something that a company that really um, aligns with my values and you know, I couldn't have asked for a better, you know, alignment. Yeah, that's great. So when you think toward the future, I mean, it sounds like you're going to move and I know you're a mom as well. And um, so do you have goals for the business, maybe the licensing as well as the swimwear brand, perhaps um, into, you know, 2022, 23 that you're thinking about now? Yeah, well, definitely I love to license more prints. So at the moment I'm working on just building a bigger portfolio and um, with a swimwear business, I'd like to use more recycled uh, fabrics. So I've been researching that. And the main thing for me is creating a team so that I'm not doing everything myself because I think initially those are the lessons that I learned that I I can't do everything that I'm really passionate about the the design aspect of it, but the making and the marketing aspects are things that I need to really um, find systems for, for it to be a thriving and sustainable business. So in future, I, you know, I'm happy to take my time to see how it plays out at the moment. But with the licensing, I'm really, I've been taking courses and I've been really putting, trying to put myself out there in ways of approaching um, companies through emailing and not necessarily putting my designs on Instagram, but really being proactive by 
by if I see something on Instagram or a company that I'm connecting with, I can just send them my portfolio and try to build, you know, a relationship with them that way. So I think most of my energies and my are, are being put into the art licensing aspect of the business. And what would you say is the most rewarding aspect for you? What what do you love the most and feel the most gratified by? Oh, definitely being able to work from home and remotely and still connect with those global audiences and brands and also you know finding a lovely community in Spoonflower. I mean it's priceless to me and being able to express myself through textile design and sort of celebrate my culture through my the textiles that I'm creating and connecting with people in in a way that fulfills me and you know speaks to who I am as well that's um you know you can't you can't put a price on that feeling of belonging and um yeah being part of something that's bigger than yourself yeah and do you have any advice for someone who is just getting started maybe with surface design um, and wants to turn their passion for creating motifs that um, maybe could be printed on fabric into a business? Any advice or tips for, for someone starting out now? I'd say um, from my experience, like, just do the work and put your stuff out there because there are people who connect with it. Don't be afraid. Because initially I was so scared to put my designs out there because I felt like they were so different from what everyone else was offering in the market. And they seemed so specific to my, to my culture and upbringing. They were not trendy at all, but I'd say like, just put, whatever is in your heart just put it out there and someone will connect with it and also don't be afraid to reach out to people in the industry like me if you love something a certain style or a certain artist just don't be afraid to reach out to them because most people in the industry in the textile design industry are lovely souls and they've been there and they will really be helpful and give you that insight into the industry and also just keep on like you know uh, taking courses there's so many online courses now on surface design then like when i started there was like literally nothing just maybe spoon flour but now there's so much so many courses going around so yeah just do that um self-development take those courses and create you don't need even a big portfolio just create a few like 10 designs and you'll be on your way to you know licensing so yeah that's the advice i have for someone starting out that's great is there anything else you wanted to talk about joe that we didn't get to yet um recently i've been working on my uh fast textile exhibition and i've been using spoonflower uh fabrics to you know, for to print the textiles for it. But unfortunately, it's been postponed in the last week due to the COVID outbreak. But yeah, I was looking forward to just showcasing that and putting it out into the world. 
And um, Smallflower has been really helpful with, with it. I was able to get a small grant towards it. Yeah, so I feel like they have really championed my my work my my they've championed me they've also put me raised my profile by you know i've been featured in their blog and through channels such as this so yeah i'm really thankful to be in such a supportive community and what is the exhibition gonna contain is it just yardage or is the yardage sewn into things or what is the exhibition going to actually show Actually, it's both, and the exhibition pays homage to the textiles that I grew up with, namely the kanga cloth or the lesso, which is um, brightly colored decorative cotton cloth, and it comes in um, two pair, like a set. And I think um, the main the distinguishing features of it is that it has a central panel it has a highly decorated border pattern and it has inscriptions in it so i grew up with this fabric and textile and it's really significant to the people to the people in kenya and um that's what i i was trying to go back to my tap back into my identity and showcase my inspirations by using this sort of textile in a similar fashion and creating my own uh, interpretations of it. So that's what the main exhibition is about. But I've also collaborated with local artisans to create um, furniture and I'm making a few, I've made a few home decor items using the, the designs from the exhibitions to sort of showcase the textiles in other ways so it was just um, basically a celebration of my culture and heritage and paying homage to the to those textiles I grew up with that's wonderful and I'm sure it will be rescheduled soon and when it is happening lots of people will then be able to attend in person and that'll be really nice yes I'm looking forward and I'm actually happy to just have this time and space to really um, fine tune things and looking forward to, you know, just creating a bigger and better show and connecting with, you know, the wider audience in Australia and also, yeah, internationally. Thank you so much, Joe. I, I think that we got to everything. We did touch base on everything I wanted to talk about today. Yeah. Thank you for having me. You can check out Joe Kalute's business at Joe Kalute, that's K-A-L-U-T-E dot com to learn more about her. Today's episode was powered by Spoonflower and Craft Industry Alliance. Get started making your business dreams a reality with Spoonflower, where you'll find over 1 million designs curated from thousands of artists worldwide. If those creative juices are really flowing, try your hand at uploading your own design and see your vision become a reality. Once it does, connect with fellow business owners for advice and support at craftindustryalliance.org. The audio in today's episode was edited and mixed by Matthew Tailsfor at Mixture Films. I'm Abby Glassenberg. 
If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And most importantly, tell your friends. Thank you so much.